Welcome to the Gregarious Mammal Podcast. Before we get started with our new format, we have a special episode. Kate and I were both in wonderful Barcelona last week at Mobile World Congress, reporting from there for various publications. We wrote a few articles each, but this is a selection of interviews that we, I say we, mostly Kate did with various people, um, and you can hear what some of the interesting projects and products that we heard about. So first, this is an interview with Travis Translator, a pocket translator device that you can take to other countries and understand what people are saying without having to use your phone. Uh, interesting idea. Is it enough to replace your phone? Here's Kate. Go for it. So we're actually, uh, how this all started is that we, did, we have a very international team. We have a co-founder from China, from Singapore, two from Holland. If Giselle comes on board very early, she's originally from the Dutch Caribbean. Yeah, right. Uh, so we've we've traveled quite a lot as a, as a team, and also we had business meetings all over the world. So we encountered so many uh, situations where we wished we spoke the language. Yeah. And uh, this was just a, a big wall in front of us. Just, there was just no connection possible whatsoever. Uh, and that combined with uh, that we have uh, that we have Nick with already 20 years of hardware experience, who was thinking of a new. Product and this new baby actually. We started talking. I'm really into social entrepreneurship. Yeah, nice. So I want to. I want to. Uh, uh, I really wanted to start a new business, but not only just to to to, to become rich or, or to help a customer, but also help people in, in general. So based on our experiences, uh, yeah, the, the yeah, and the fact that we we had the resources and the people around us to do this, we decided, okay, let's. Let's let's go for it. Let's let's create. Let's build, develop international universal translator, where you can wherever you go, you can talk you can talk to to anyone. Um, so what were then the steps that we that we that we took? So um, we designed. Uh, we came up with this design. Yeah. How many um, iterations have you done so far? Yeah, so many. From a piece of wood. <laughs> yeah, twenty at least. Yeah. Uh, where it needed to consist, it needed to consist of um, instant usage. So if I, if I'm just, uh, if you use voice translation on your phone, then you have to unlock your phone. You have to, you have to, you have to. Yeah, it's it's missed. We don't have this this. When you're in a rush, it's, and so, it's it's awkward. Like, and it often assumes you've got um, Wi-Fi. Yeah. So you use your phone for merely uh, anything, but it's not very very beneficial to the for the for the, for the face face conversation so we want something that you can just place place here on the table or you can just hold yeah, here just out of sight so it's not a factor anymore in the in the in the in the conversation so the, the microphone and the speaker needed to needed to be very very good way better than on, on the smartphone yeah um, the instant uh, usage just click it's, it's you can feel it's a mouse click you can click on it directly it works and then there it goes. Uh, so that's the, that's the, the, the combination of uh, that you don't need to have to hold it in front of your mouth and stick it in someone else's face. So it's got a good range in terms of audio and, and also auditory. So you can hear it and you can speak and it'll pick it up. 
So we are we are uh, we are focused on the on the human design. So uh, we are not we don't have the, the smartest developers yet. Which of course, we want to employ them. But we are now using uh, the technology from companies like IBM, Google, Microsoft, uh, Systrend, who have been in the translation business for, for, for really quite quite a long time. And we are for every language combination, uh, for every language pair, we use the best app, the best software. Uh, so we just combine what's there, we put it in a product that is designed for, uh, for solely for, for this. Uh, How much of it is machine learning in terms of the, um, the translating? So actually, uh, all the, uh, the technology uh, we use is is fueled by uh, by, by, by uh, artificial intelligence. Yeah. So, uh, and the, the, the strange thing is that all this uh, these software developers are developing it and uh, making these incremental uh, steps, uh, and then you, then, it, then it can be used by millions and millions of people. So the artificial intelligence really uh, is used for the exponential improvement of the tools. So we want to give the translator tra- 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 in the hands of millions of people, let them go out into the world and start using it. And it, in the beginning, it won't be as good as it is in the coming years. But uh, the more people, uh, the more it's being used, the faster this problem will be solved. Yeah, I mean, I can see obvious many, many applications from it, from health services to you know people traveling, etc., etc. Why did you decide on something that you could either hold or put near you, as opposed to a hearable device that you could put in your ear? Like, like say, Pilot. Is Pilot? Yeah. Pilot. Yeah. Labs. Uh, their their product is, is, is great for uh, two people that already know each other, lovers, for instance. Yeah. Um, because and we because we, and we we don't believe that if you uh, uh, walk if you uh, walk, come across someone on the street that you would just pass on that is a little bit unhygienic. Um, and for for the same goes for business meetings. Yeah, you. <laughs> you don't. You want everybody to use their own. Uh, your, 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 uh, yeah. The so there is there is a very strong speaker inside, Travis. There is an audio jack for yourself to to listen in. If you are in a Jap- meeting with Japanese, you can just listen in. And you can stop it when you when you know the three. So if I say something to you, for sake of argument, I say um, you know, ich heiße Kate in German. How long does it take to translate? It takes now a little bit less than two minutes. Uh, two seconds. Sorry. That's pretty good. Yeah. Two seconds. So good. So that's, uh, we're already happy with that. We that's really good. Want, want to make it even more instant. Um, but that's, yeah, where we, that's where we, where we are at right now. Um, so you, I would actually work in real life. Is um, that you can set a set a set a preference that you want to have it, uh, English or German as your own uh, uh, language and based on GPR, GPRS, it will then detect that you are either in in Spain or in Brazil, and then it will uh, by default have then Portuguese or Spanish as as your other alternatives. Yeah. And does it work online? Oh, sorry, offline as well as online? Yeah, we have twenty languages 
offline. Wow. Uh, that is super. We have 80. That's super good. Yeah. Wow. But uh, offline, you won't have all the benefits of the artificial intelligence mm. until you update it by connecting it to Wi-Fi or 3G. Yeah. And how does it reach? How do you think it will reach out? Are you looking at a subscription model, or you buy it as a product? Or? Something else. Yeah. Uh, right now we have uh, two models in mind. Just uh, you buy the you buy the product, and you will be having updates, upgrades. Uh, these are just included for business traffickers. Um, uh, we also want to include uh, extra extra mode, transcription mode, so that you when you add your business uh, conversation, you also get it. You can, so you can get a transcript. Oh my god, that is so good. Every journalist would buy this. We spend spend so much time on this this issue. Like, I I record lots of interviews online, I do lots of Skype interviews, and I use software. Um, to transcribe, which I pay for. Yep. Free. Yep. Um, I've tried using people, and they just can't get the words right. Because unless they know IoT, which is what I work in, they write things like raspberry cream pie, <laughs> things like you know silly things instead of raspberry pie, you know. Um, and so you know, it's getting better. A lot of the software now that you can use because of AI. Um, but yeah, I can see so many applications like this. You use the software face-to-face or on the phone? No, on on my computer. It's called Speechmatics, and um, it translates all your interviews into into written um, transcripts. But you still have to go through them and listen to it again and fill in, you know, because, like, you you never publish it just a transcript. But often you just need some good quotes, you know, to pick out, like like we're talking today, I'll pick a few out, you know. So I can see a lot of applications for something like this. So, So every... Application that's using translation, mm. the more it's, yeah, the more mm. it will be used. Mm. The, the more we all will benefit from. What kind of response have you got from people that have tried it out? What are they saying when they try it? Um, what we because we will have our working demo in April. Mm. Okay. Then, it will, then it will be all inside. Yeah. We can just send you one. We can just love to. We can travel to, to you. You can, or when, yeah. when you may, might be in the neighborhood. Mm. Um, what we did. We, uh, for some language combinations, we uh, found a very good app on the mm. phone. Mm. Uh, so people were really surprised how it worked. Mm. Uh, but it was in a, it was a little bit of a noisy environment. People had to to, to stick it very close to their, to their mouth. So they also found out that these are things they don't like. So we were yeah, yeah even more convinced of okay, we need to make the microphone speaker way stronger. Oh, so true. Every time you do any type of audio interview, it's always loud, loud environments. You know, like the idea of the nice quiet meeting room. Not these days. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, it's not... Uh, we, what we are doing is not it's not rocket rocket science. So we are using uh, technology from top developers, and uh, we are for every for every combina- language combination we use the, 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 the best best the best software. On the phone. You always have to choose between apps. We put it in a device that is technically. Because the way it's designed, yeah, yeah, yeah. And have you had thought about the retail price? 
Have you thought about what kind of price point you'll put it at? Like how much price. people will buy it for? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we want to... Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to sell it through the pre-ordering in, in uh, March. It's coming really, really, really soon. Okay. For $99. Wow. Yeah. And, That's And uh, in fall, we'll be in, in stores if we do the yeah. right things, of course. Yeah. Uh, for $199. Okay. $199. That's a, did you, are you going to kickstart it? Like we, crowdfunding or? We are not, uh, we are not yet, we haven't decided yet if we are going for a Kickstarter for Indiegogo. Yeah. Uh, but we will use one of those uh, platforms for the pre-ordering. Uh, but we, had, we only have decided just very shortly before. So would you say you're pretty close in terms of the final product going to market? In terms of the hardware, that's that's good. Where are you, where are you making them, by the way? Are you making them in Shenzhen? We have one of our we have uh, four co-founders. Two, two of them are Dutch. We have uh, Nick. He is uh, already in hardware for, for 20 years. Yeah. He's from Singapore, and we have a Chinese uh, uh, director of the smartphone company. So he's also one of the co-founders. So we're making the hardware in China. Nick is, uh, is in charge of the, the software and the here. And I'm, I'm overseeing the whole campaign team. So we need to have a lot of some marketers, copywriters to 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 get the message right. Yeah. yeah. Let me and show all the documentation you. Documentation. This is where we are now. This is yeah. going to be shipped next week. Yeah. These are the components. This is the chip. Yeah. This is the screen. Nice. I was gonna gonna look. This is the the the, the, bat, the, the battery. Mm. So it's, uh, <laughs> offline it will work twelve hours. Online uh, six. Mm. Okay. So now we we just put all the components in, in this. Uh, six is not bad. If you have listened to any of our episodes before or have read much of Kate's writing, you will know that she loves robots. We talked about some of the dangers of robots, but let's let's remain friendly for now. And in this interview, she has a little chat with uh, Pepper. Um, I also met Neo and also had a little conversation with Pepper, but I didn't record it. She has a little conversation with Pepper and then speaks to Pepper and Neo's creators at SoftBank Robotics about what they're up to in the near future. Can I tell you more about what I can do? Please yes. do. Yes. Please. Very humble. Yes, Pepper. Yes, Pepper. Yes, please. I can express emotions with my voice, gestures, and talent, as well as the colorful lights in my eyes and on my shoulders. I'm still learning how to understand human emotions, but I can analyze your face and notice when you smile or frown, and I can listen to your voice for signs of frustration or happiness. Every day I'm learning and striving to become a better companion. One and, and Europe, I will be more Europe. So, um, you know, the, our business model and the way we position ourselves is really as, as a, a you know, company developing that wonderful device, but really as a platform provider. So a lot of our efforts since uh, last summer has been developing an ecosystem of partners. And today we have recruited over 70 partners in Europe uh, and what for I mean basically we do deliver the robots and, and the software that making you know talking working and using all the basic stuff mm. but then in order to target and provide the right solution for all the vertical we want to target we need the right person to do that so I mean we, we know that you know the really the robot add value anywhere you're getting public but it's so that cover 
retail that covers hotels, yeah. I mean, and tourism, hospitality, healthcare, yeah. exactly. I mean, and, and so uh, one of the big challenges that one. I mean, so we uh, we now have a, a wide network and, and ecosystem of partners. I mean, still, you know. Uh, uh, Working and learning how they, they are, will be capable of coming with solutions. But I mean, we, then, I mean, together with these partners, we have been able to start deploying the robots in Europe. Last year, I don't know, we already started to work with a couple of key retailers such as Carrefour. I don't know if you follow that, but I mean, we had uh, uh, the, the first pilot project with Carrefour. Then, you know, we extend that. Now we have papers on in, uh, the tourism industry working on Costa Cruise boats. We have paper in, in uh, at Uniqlo, uh, at Renault. We are, I mean, in the, you're based in the UK, really, or, or no? You're based um, in UK, or yeah, in Berlin. Berlin, okay. Yeah. So I mean, in, in, in Germany, we have really worked recruiting partnerships such as SAP, Ibris, for example. Where yeah. We work, I mean, uh, verticalized to target retail. Uh, that allows us, you know, to uh, have a company like the uh, Media uh, Mark uh, Group with. They started to deploy about 25 small robots now that are now, you know, uh, upgrading and moving to uh, have paper in their stores to uh, welcome customers. Give, I mean, of course, create traffic, but then the next step is, you know, promote products and use all the capabilities of the robots in terms of, you know, uh, understanding who is talking with, you know, you know that we can categorize men, women, the age, work on the emotion, and mm. based on that, that's allow the retailer to push the right product, really. So. Yeah, I mean, I noticed, like, Pepper's um, used it a lot of front-facing roles, like introducing people, welcoming people, um, providing basic information when people come to a store or a, a transport station or what have you. I mean, it's not necessarily replacing a person. It's, not. it's really different. And, and this is often the thing people get all excited about. Oh, robots are replacing people. And I have this argument all the time with people. They're not replacing them. They're adding a different experience. Exactly. You know? And I, I think, you know, the way we see it is, you know, they, in yeah. fact... Uh, by taking you know some of the tasks that were there is not really added value to have a human to do it, they allow human to focus really on tasks where they, they can add value and, and, and you know that beneficial in terms of you know the value of the job what you're providing. So uh, I mean, but, I mean more or less you may say at the end yeah you know it could be that we get a bit less people acting as a receptionist or or, or you know answering the FAQs or. Yeah. or F- people to find their way, yeah. but I mean, on the same time, we're creating so many jobs mm. in the robotic industry, I mean, Absolutely. people to design the robot, yeah. and then to, to program and develop applications of the robot, mm. you know, that's a major, I mean, uh, industry that is now starting mm. and growing, and that would be a major job creation. And how is Pepper, Pepper getting smarter? I mean, you know, from our first um, kind of introduction to Pepper, I remember when I first met her, it was a bit like a three-year-old child. <laughs> you have to talk really loudly and keep repeating yourself. And it looks like she's conversing really nicely. I mean, it has her functions changed or grown? I mean, it, it, it has and it will keep changing because we are just, you know, really at the beginning of what robots are, you know, that's yeah. really the first generation of robots. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, they will change and hopefully we'll see other robots to come. I mean, and, uh, and, and that, you know, that will just, you know, uh, confirm the fact that robotics is a key market and many people are coming on that market. So, I mean, yeah, of course, you know, we constantly work on the hardware itself, you know, improving the sensors, you know, we, you know, uh, one of the key subjects we have is improving the way you can verbally interact with, interact with the robot and you know you know working on noise cancellation and things like mm. is the type of job we're doing and implementing on the robot. Mm. But at the same time we know you know and that's our DNA. I mean 
we don't try to do everything ourselves. Yeah. We also work with partners, you know, That's something. It. In addition to what we do ourselves, we are partnering, you know, we announced that last already with IBM, but we're now partners, I mean, partnering so you, um, also with Microsoft and Recognitive Services. Are you using sort of AI, moving into more into that area, like Watson and things I like mean, that? I we, we are using some AI already in terms of, you know, voice recognition, mm. emotional analysis, and, face and, and face recognition. Yeah. But I mean, we know that we need to continue to work on that, yeah. as well as partner. I mean, I mentioned IBM and Microsoft. You yeah. know, like one of the key steps we need to work on and we're working on is natural language processing, you know, because we know that, I mean, even if today, I mean, the robot has a real value in the retail environment because even if you flip the dialogue, the, the goal is to drive you somewhere, something that works fine. But I mean, if you want to widen the market and, and you know, at some stage later, go to mass market and, and, and go to the consumer, really, Everybody's expecting to have a type of conversation we're having today with the robots. I mean, yeah. it's not ready now. We know that natural language processing is available in some verticals. You know, IBM has been working a lot in finance or healthcare, but yeah. and, and that will, I mean, over the time, I mean, uh, widen a little bit more. So, yes, we do partner with uh, with company. I mean, and we provide a lot of value. We provide a wonderful embodiment for our AI, really. And, and, and you know, Masterson, we have a SoftBank uh, CEO mentioned last year, but really the key axis we have is robots, AI, I, IoT, really. I mean, it's really that's exciting. It. Yeah. Yeah. And I've written quite a bit about Neo, particularly applications in healthcare for dealing with, you know, people with various illnesses and needing distraction from pain and yeah. all kinds of health programs. I mean, what kind of um, work is, are, are you looking at at the moment with Neo? Anything I particular? Mean, I mean, we're, you know, that's... Anything new to announce, I guess, is the I mean, expression? Not, not yet. I mean, it's, it's yeah. work in progress and pretty soon. <laughs> oh, that, I'm on your list, so I'll, um, I'll be looking forward to that. Cause no, I'm, but I mean, yeah, there is a lot of value on now, as you say, I mean, interacting, you know, at the same time with kids and, and elderly people. And, you know, I, I understand that you're aware about what we do without but as well as what we do, you know, yeah, with kids who are going to the hospital to get some really treatments. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe you heard about the uh, Avatar Kid program with the Swiss company. I mean, that was great. Uh, yeah. What we do in energy care houses with the robots, I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's amazing how that device really helped to, uh, to establish links between people. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, that's, it's, it's awesome. It's difficult to believe that a machine and a device help really people to better communicate together yeah. and that's what it does. That's amazing, know? isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, um, I don't know if you know LEQ, an Israeli robot. Um, I'll, I'll send you a little link yeah. so you can have a look. Um, I interviewed them recently. I haven't put the article out yet. Joys of editors. But they've actually got a smart companion type robot. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, you know, it's not to replace a human. It's to supplement. And I guess the robot is there as a conduit for... The, when, you know, if you imagine the traditional home in the older days, yeah. you know, an old person would be at home and they wouldn't necessarily be, you know, participating all the time, but they'd be in the room or they'd be engaging in some way. They'd know what's going on. And yeah. so what they do is the robot's not talking to them all day, but it's saying to them at, at certain intervals, like, oh, you know, do you want to see what your friend, your so-and-so is, is up to on Facebook? Let's have a look. Or, yeah. you know, do you want to have a picture? Or they know what music they like. You haven't played any music today. Do you want to play some music? It's quite nice. Like, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting way to do it. And... The, the biggest interesting thing to me with the design um, is that it has no face, and you know, no face. Yeah, no face. It's just like um, I'll, I'll, I'll show you a picture after after this. But it's um, not really engaging. In other words, different ways, different ways. So it's, I mean, can you imagine moving away from the the faced kind of cartoon robot? I mean, I don't, think we, I don't think we can imagine that. Really, I mean, our, our DNA is really humanoid robots. Yeah. I mean, we are strong believers. 
in you know in uh, yeah the benefit of a humanoid shape, a humanoid behavior, the body language. I mean that's key. That that's what is really engaging in interaction. You know? Yeah. So, uh, you know that that many people ask us what can we do with the uh, our robots arms? Yeah. And nothing. Except that you know, we have been trying, you know, some some robots, you know, with no hands, and I mean, it just doesn't work. You know, that's part of our natural body language. I mean, we talk not only Italian. I mean, that everyone talks with hands. You know, yeah. and, and, and that's amazing when you look at the robots. Yeah, I mean, all, I mean, everything he does with his hand empowered really the interaction, the communication. It's and, quite and, human in a way, isn't it? The exactly. Engagement. It's that, quite, yeah. you know. Um, you, you recognize the, the gestures, yeah. I guess you'd say. You and, know? and to say, the same applies for the face. You know, yeah. we're not, you know, we're not trying to mimic the human because we know that doesn't work. You know, yeah. you think oh, like Toyota, no, no. like that. So, so you know, we, we don't play with actuating the face. So you know, you're, you're never going to do a Hanson robotics? No, that's not. That's not our <laughs> plan at all. It's a no. bit scary. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's fascinating, but it's a bit scary. <laughs> yeah. Now we, we want the people to know that they are talking to a robot. That's good. I like that. I think it's you know you don't want to fool people. People aren't stupid. Yeah. They work. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah no, and what's next? I mean, are you looking at either developing the robots you've got more or, or developing new robots? You don't have to tell me which one, but it's what, you can give me a hint. I mean both. You know. I mean yeah. You know. You know. We. We, we have wonderful robots available today. We need to continue to improve them, but at the same time, you know, yeah, we need, and we, of course, we work on new robots. I mean, yeah, mm. it's, yeah. I mean, nobody could imagine that we'll just stop with the three robots we have today. You know, it's, we have now Romeo and Pepper. But yeah. I mean, yeah, that's uh, uh, an incredibly uh, efficient technology and knowledge and know how we are, but of course, we need to uh, continue to, to use to make sure we continue to be a leader of the market. I mean, mm. yeah, that's mm. going to be tough mm. for the uh, actor, but I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we try to be ready for that, and to be ready for that, we need to work already on uh, what is going to come next year and the year after. Yeah, that's it. Interesting. And last little question, I mean, what's been different culturally with the European market to, J- to Japan? Has there been a lot of difference in the way consumers re- are engaging with the robot? Or- yeah, yeah no, the reason, the way, the way it's used, I think, you know, what is... I mean, in Europe, many people are frightened by robots, by the fact that they can take the power, by the fact that they can take their jobs. Yeah. And, and so basically, our approach in the use case we do deploy, I mean, our, I mean, ourselves and the retailer we work with, for example, I mean, mm. it's much more front and front. You know, for example, we, we make sure that all the roles we're giving to the robot are not replacing humans. Yeah. And, and that's key. And, you know, when we have... Uh, Robots that in, at Carrefour as, are acting as sommelier, you know, wine advisor. I mean, uh, they do provide a real service, but at the same time, there is no more humans in hypermarket that provide that service. I mean, yeah, uh, exactly. So, and, and that really makes sense. People are expecting some advice, some help to select their wine, and, and, and the fact that it's given by a humanoid device really uh, engage them to do it. So, where in Japan it's a bit different. I mean, yeah. you know, they have that body culture, and I mean, it's, it's almost a they focus on the cute of the robot. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's a really different, it's the, yeah. it's almost childlike kind of yeah. experience. Really. And, and, and in the retail environment, it really provides a nice value for them, which we don't need or have in Europe. It's the fact that it, it's acting as an icebreaker between the the salesperson and the customer, you know, and, and uh, yeah. that's, I mean, that's, uh, for them, it has a lot of value. It's a real it, cultural difference. Yeah, yeah it, right. is, it is. It is. Really, That's super interesting. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. And um, with your, I guess, your European market, do you see people using pepper in the home? Uh, we're not ready for that. Not yet. I mean, no, no, yeah. I mean we, 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 we experiment that in, in, the, in Japan, as you know, we've been selling uh, pepper to B2C. Mm. And I mean, uh, I mean, we have to say today that, you know, 
it helps us to understand that a lot of work still has to be done. And, and yeah. the, one of the key things is the, that natural language processing, you know. People quickly, I mean, feel that yeah, the robot is not at the level they were expecting. Yeah. Instead of being able to talk about everything to a robot. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, so, so now we, you know, we're going prudently to that market even in Japan. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Thank you so much for your time no, today. Absolute pleasure. Um, it's always lovely catching up with um, Alderbaran. We all know that last year was a good year, depending how you look at it in terms of Internet of Things devices and in terms of people buying them and uh, people using them and the variety of devices. But we know it was a very bad year in terms of Internet of Things security. And it was a bit of a, a topic that came up time and again at Mobile World Congress. And in this next interview, Kate interviews Bullguard and their new product, Dojo, which is an Internet of Things home security, yeah, connected home securing system device. Uh, and their 404 pages has a lovely dog. So maybe find a page that doesn't exist and you'll see this wonderful little dog here. Enjoy. Okay, so um, with Dojo Labs, we will build a security and privacy solution for yep. IoT. Uh, so it's a consumer product for smart connected home. And the focus is actually protecting all the connected devices at home uh, for a consumer. So is it security or privacy? Both. Okay. Both. I, I mean, usually if you don't have security, you won't have privacy. True. That, that okay. goes together. Yeah. Uh, if your devices are compromised, then anyone can gather Ooh. any data about it. Uh, okay. And when it comes to IoT, you know, all those devices have different sensors like cameras, microphones. Yeah. So you can imagine. Uh, oh, yes. Very much. I've written uh, about a few disasters <laughs> in, that have happened. Um, quite a few. Yeah, everything from the baby monitors to the um, refrigerators to I think the one the best the worst one I saw the other day was a smart um, oven and it was a gas like gas knobs. It's like Not. what could go wrong there? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh yeah. my god, it's yeah. <laughs> something could go wrong. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so so tell me a bit about how your product works. Yeah. So this is the product. Yep. Uh, in terms of installation, all you need to do is just connect it to your Wi-Fi router with an Ethernet cable. Uh, once you do that, it becomes a kind of a gateway to all your home network. This is what we call a pebble. Yep. It's a remote display of the system, mm-hmm. so it can be placed anywhere at home, in the living room, in the kitchen, and that just gives an overall uh, indicator about the security situation of your home network. Does it? Do you need one per room, or is it one for the it's, whole house? We have only one for the system, so oh, it's one for the whole house. Yeah. Uh, and it is for convenience, kind of. Yeah. Because uh, usually Wi-Fi routers are in different old locations, and that has to be physically collocated with the yeah, Wi-Fi router. Yeah. Uh, and this one can move around the house yeah, wherever good. it's comfortable. Yeah. To. And is this also a charging station? Uh, no, oh. it's battery operated. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, so. See here, yeah. for batteries. Yeah. Uh, but if they are co-located, so it's kind of a trade to uh, now. Once the traffic goes through the dojo, you can analyze in real time the whole network traffic and uh, detect all kinds of patterns related to cyber security attack, threats, attempts, etc. So your average consumer, and let's face it, a lot of them are that savvy, 
um, they, they may have got someone in to, just to, to install their smart systems in their home. So, or they've got an Alexa and not much else, you know, something pretty basic. And, you know, this, the research I read suggests that most of them never update anything at all manually. Yeah. So how do you react to, as, as a, you know, as a, as a device, to things like your long-term legacy products that are now smart? Like, say, say a refrigerator. Refrigerator yeah. you might have for 10, 10, 15 years, yeah? Yeah. Um, and, you know, what, what might be current security when you buy it in the first year, by the fifth year, it could be, could be obsolete. No doubt. Yeah. So, mainly because of this... We know and we don't really trust that the vendors of those devices will take care of the security of their devices. This is totally agnostic to that side of, of the right. product. Yep. It's a network-based solution. Okay. So anything that is connected to the home network yep. is being protected by the system regardless of the nature of the device. Mm-hmm. Whether it's well-built, I mean cybersecurity-wise, uh, sure. or uh, badly built. It doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, we have a multi-layer system uh, and it, it takes a really high end enterprise practice package in the in a box for a consumer as a service. So the first one is the perimeter. First you need to build some kind of a shield around your home to make sure that no one that is not authorized can access your devices. Yeah. So if they cannot access them they can certainly not uh, infect them with uh, yeah. malicious software. Yeah. Um, so that's the first layer. The second layer assumes that something already happened. How you detect it? How you mitigate it? So this is the intrusion detection and prevention module that we have inside. That is more kind of a pattern and signature based. Okay. It looks for activity in the network that indicates either attack uh, vectors or already existing uh, malware that have signatures. So is that sort of using some machine learning there? This is the third layer. So the third layer is what we call anomaly detection and behavioral analysis. Ah, oh, interesting. And what Bojo does is constantly sending metadata about the device behavior to our cloud platform. And this is where we do the analysis on a a network scale. So that means not just customer by customer, but the whole subscriber base as a whole. Because IoTs in general are purpose-built devices. So a camera is doing text function, smart TV, other... And when you have a lot of users who own cameras, own TVs, you can do some analysis and compare the, the user base. Yeah. And based on, on this learning, we apply new policy that, that is being pushed back to all the devices. So in a way, and this is what you think about our offering to consumer or in general, because it doesn't exist in the enterprise as well. It's a kind of a crowdsourced security platform where the learning from all the users is serving for the benefit of all the users themselves. So if if, if we find, for example, a vulnerability in one consumer uh, device in his home and we know that there are other users who own the same device, we push the mitigation before he had... Uh, the experience to uh, to being attacked by that's by super good. yeah. So that's that's the whole model around it. And when you've done your tests, like when you've done your, you know, you've given it to consumers to test and try out in their homes, have there been like you've just alluded to? Is there any particular commonalities in the problems people are having with security? Yes, so, so there are the very common one, which is uh, most people are not even aware. 
all those attacks are not targeted attacks. They are kind of robots scanning the whole internet daily, yeah. trying to find things. So when you start monitoring this, you can see that an average home can sometimes be under thousands of attacks daily. Not all of them succeed. It's pretty but, scary when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, nobody sees it, so you, you don't, don't feel it. You don't even know. That. Never tell your German customers this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They'd be wetting themselves then. Yeah. It's very like a physical person breaking into your home, so it's... Germans are big on security. Yeah. yeah. Everything. <laughs> but even the physical security, so if, we, if we're talking about IoT, people buy smart locks and smart alarms yeah, uh, to secure their home. But if I, if they can be disarmed uh, exactly uh, right. remotely, yeah. then the whole... It makes it redundant, right? <laughs> idea, yeah. yeah, make it exactly. almost yeah. useless. Useless, yeah. Uh, and the problem is that the scenarios are very complex because it's a network. Ooh. So I don't have to attack directly X device to gain control over it. I can always find the weakest point gain Ooh. some control inside your home and then start attacking Ooh. other devices. And, and that's, in a way, almost endless effort because hackers find new stuff, you fix it, and yeah. find new stuff, and then you add more devices, more vulnerabilities. So the more devices yeah. you have, the probability to yeah. get hacked is... Yeah. And like you said, so much of it is automated these days because yeah. people think of it like, oh, someone, some teenager with a hoodie hacking your... You know, your smart robot or something, but it's you know, someone's bot doing everything. No, I mean, people don't know that those organizations are much more uh, disciplined and organized and well financed than just a kid sitting in his yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a business. It's yeah. a huge business. I know. That's uh, true. Yeah. And uh, now people are familiar with ransomware that is really applied to your laptop, they encrypt all your files and ask for Bitcoin, but they can, in a way, also disable all your home automation and ask for money uh, the same way. So now they have a lot, much more targets to uh, kind of uh, blackmail and not just your PC. Yeah, and you could have some health equipment that you need to run regularly. Yes, yes, so the more you get dependent on this home automation, On one hand, it's, it's a benefit because it makes your life easier. On the yeah. other hand, the risk is is bigger. So, That's it. And we don't believe that people should avoid IoT totally the other way. Uh, we just want to give them the control that they can adopt this technology and we'll make sure it's safe for them. So is yours a subscription model? Yeah, it so is they, a So they buy the products and it's a subscription? Yeah, yeah. it's a subscription. So when you buy the product, the first year of the service is included. Yeah. But product is constantly updated with the latest policies and it's seamless the user doesn't need to know. So you've potentially got relationships with clients for 20 plus years people that have long-term products like yep. some of the ones that come out now from you know the washing machines and stuff like that yep. yes and people and don't replace them very often and anyway. and people I mean it's like smart TV it's not always will be a choice of the user because uh, maybe you're not a bad, I mean, a guy that is not that tech savvy, but we, we talked to all the big white appliance vendors, for mm. example, and they decided five years from now, all their devices will be connected. Yeah, so if you it. go exactly. online or to the shop, yeah. this is what you find. That, Only, it's not a choice. It's not a choice. Like it. a smart TV. You cannot find yeah. today a TV that is not smart TV. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, because the industry decided so. Yeah. 
Uh, then suddenly you will find yourself with a lot of connected stuff. Mm. Maybe you didn't want it, but that's that's what you have. And I could imagine some people wouldn't really understand it either. You know? uh, exactly. They will just plug it to the power and it will connect automatically. Turn it on and put their password in that they always use because they remember it and that's about all they yeah. you know, yeah. They're not going to use a VPN, they're not going to use a password manager. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what's happening. And I mean, this, apologies if I'm being ignorant. My, my knowledge of in-depth security is a little limited. I'm actually doing an online course next month. You know how you can do those free university courses yeah. in, um, in cybersecurity? So you're like, oh, I can know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, with, with things like the DDoS attacks, where someone's device is a conduit for attack somewhere else, can you cover those sorts of things? We do cover already. Right. So that's a that's, uh, good example for the... Um, like the gene attack, the, the, the intrusion detection system. Because yeah. this Mirai bot that was installed, yeah. in, in, in this case it was cameras, yeah, mainly right. surveillance cameras. That's history, in a way. It's already there. So now how you cope with the outcome? That's it, yeah. So what Dojo does, in, in order for this Mirai bot to execute, but it was designed to, it needs to connect to its home server and it needs to send a lot of DNS requests targeted to. So Dojo detects this behavior. Suddenly see a camera that sends a lot of DNS requests abnormally. Say, okay, this is bad behavior. And it will practically block this function so it will be contained within the home network. It will not get to the internet at all. That's really cool. So, I mean, one thing people say to me, and particularly sort of your average consumer who's maybe not as invested, is they say, well, you know, it should be the responsibility of the provider to, to, to ensure the device is secure. If, we, if I, as a consumer, have done the correct things with passwords and all those sorts of things. I mean, we know realistically that particularly the legacy products that first came out with IT, not so secure. Yeah. Um, but with newer stuff, I mean, do you see the responsibility on the consumer to be, you know, savvy of the provider, who, you know, the hardware person, the software person? Like, where do you think it all sits? Well, you would expect the provider to uh, uh, to do that. You would. Yeah, you would. So <laughs> let's take it to the enterprise agreement. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cybersecurity in the enterprise is a hundred fifty billion dollar business yeah. okay so you, you would expect oracle and microsoft and everyone to ship secure software right well if, if that was all secure why people need uh security gears in their enterprise now not to mention about consumer electronics yes uh, and their their excuse that everywhere where human behavior is involved they can't take ownership. So if I didn't put uh, safe enough or no password at all, even though they implemented the password mechanism, I don't use it. So uh, we, we get this point and we say, okay, don't put the password, we don't care. Uh, we know it might happen. So now, uh, instead of trying to educate everyone to become a cybersecurity expert, we'll provide this uh, yeah. to you as a service instead yeah. of, uh, of course we want we want people to be educated and yeah. aware, at least, of what's going on. Uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, this is the most intimate place. This is their home. And, and privacy matters, maybe, when you have kids. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. 
Yes, you don't want some creepy guy watching your kids when when you bought the baby monitor for different purposes, right? Oh, wait, I'm just up and talking to them. Talking to them. Like, Someone like me, but like, there's a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, it's crazy, right? Yeah, that's... It's, it's just, yeah, it's a creepy example. I mean, do you see more people... Okay, I'll try, I'll try to rephrase my... I'm thinking this is my question as I'm asking as a, as a way of mitigating this instance, so these, these circumstances, do you see more people either buying products they believe are secure or going, look, I'm going to get the over to the umbrella security with something like you're offering, you know, the, the subscription model where it's, you know, it's a long-term kind of... Where do you see it going? I, guess is what I'm I think it, it goes in the direction for a simple reason. Most of those devices are consumer electronic devices. So when you go to the shop or you go online and you do your checklist, I don't think that security is in the first place. The way it looks, the color, the functionality, the ease of use, the price, uh, and you won't even find any security-related information. So how would you compare between this thermostat and the other? It's a very good point. Uh, well, there's no standards, is there? No. There's no central standards for any of this. Nothing. No and standards. whenever you talk to start to hardware people, you say, should there be standards? They get all itchy. And they're like, no, no, no. We don't want the government in, you know, interfering in our, you know, we don't want the FDA or something like that. We want it to be in our innovations, you know, at first. Yes. And even if you do it on the hardware level, and then you, you have the software guys in your organization who build the application on top of the hardware and they do mistakes as well. Well you're going to keep patching it and it's reactive isn't it? Yes and, and, you, and then it gets to the cost model. Yeah. Okay so, so consumer electronic vendors usually they launch a new model they want to ship as many units yeah. as they can and then move to the next one. I, yeah you're right actually that's very funny. So yeah. it's not sustainable from yeah. their point of view uh, to keep maintaining it because there is no service model behind yeah, it. Yeah gotcha. but that makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah. Expecting a user to track all the software version updates from all the vendors, it's not realistic. So that's why we built it as a kind of an over-the-top solution that it's totally agnostic to the uh, device uh, security level. Could be very good, could be very bad, doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, we assume that everything is bad. That's that's always a security uh, kind of assumption. <laughs> everything is infected, everything is bad. Let's now, start with the, with the minimum standards. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then it could be only uh, a better. Yeah. And I'm curious, I mean, you know, you could have arguably invested an equal amount of energy in something like industrial security or even your smart security type applications or hospital security even. Um, why did you pick home security? Uh, because there is no one who's doing this That's right. for the consumer. No, 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 no. I mean, in enterprise, you have a lot of machinery, you have a huge team of security experts, and they get, get hacked as well. Yeah, I know. Uh, when it comes to my home, who is the chief security officer in my home? That'd be you. Uh, <laughs> in my case, it's me because I know, I, I hope I know something about it. Uh, but uh, an average consumer, no. Uh, no one assumes responsibility, neither yeah. the service provider nor the device vendor. So we have a lot of nice connected devices which are good. I mean, they're, they're very useful, uh, but uh, they need to be useful only when he's using yeah, them, not true. someone else. Yeah. Uh, and how long has the company been around for? Uh, we started the company over two years ago, mm-hmm. and we got acquired by Bulldog yep. uh, in August last yep. year. 
And since then, we've continued to grow the team and develop the, the product. It's good to know. And, and it's, it's nice if an acquisition can work well like that. Yeah. So that you're able to expand your team and, you know, still have some independence, but be able to do what you do well. You know? Yes, yes. I, I mean, technology-wise, uh, it's, it's a whole domain by itself. Mm. And uh, Burgard is dealing more with the antivirus. And yeah. The yeah. So it's a completing product. There is yeah. no uh, overlap. And uh, this is... The, actually the next generation of because we don't protect only IOTs if you have your laptop or your smartphone connected while you're connected to the home network you're getting the same coverage as any other device uh, yeah. so what might happen usually is that you go out for your with your laptop to a coffee shop you get a free Wi-Fi yes and this free also gives you some free um, uh, yeah. software going yeah. to your and then you go uh, yeah. back home yeah yeah. And you're already an intruder in your yeah. own home. Exactly. Right. Who's gonna find it? And you wouldn't know. Yeah. Most people would not know. Yeah. Unless you have Dojo, and Dojo would know that yeah. it's happening. That's it. <laughs> and you could argue, oh well, you know, you've got apps on your phone that tell you. But who reads all that fine print? You know, the little fine print you get, your terms and conditions. People don't read it. Never. I've no. never seen anyone sit down and read it. No. No. And, oh. and people don't even imagine how much they give up. Uh, until yeah. they get to know how much uh... nestled amongst all the billing suppliers, marketing services, infrastructure providers, we also found a few other projects working in the developing world to help people more with technology. Um, I wrote about a couple of others in one of my articles on DZone, but here's an interview we did with Cora Gas, who are providing gas stoves to replace the very, very toxic, harmful charcoal stoves with a, a, a smart metering service that people can top up and monitor easily whilst they're using the gas supply and then order more when they need to. Hello, my name is Sebastian Rodriguez. I'm working for a company called Copagas. It's in East Africa. And over there, the mobile money adoption is very high. But you could be imagine there's mobile phones everywhere, but there are not basic services like uh, water. And in this case, our company sells gas. So the, the problem there is that capital cities like Dar es Salaam, big city, uh, charcoal is the main fuel for cooking. It's very polluting and also very damaging for the health. So when people, people are aware of that, but the main challenge to switch to a cleaner fuel will be the cooking gas is the initial setup cost. Basically, they need to buy a new cylinder, a new stove, and all that. And that can be maybe up to two months of a salary of a low-income household. So our companies distribute gas, and we want to sell more. So the, the link with technology, and that's why we are here, is that we have a IoT device, a meter, that has a valve, so we can do prepayment of, of gas. And in that prepayment, we are also recovering the cost of uh, initial setup we give to people. So people come to us and... We give them a, a brand new kitchen, a gas cylinder into their house. I mean, it's very important because uh, the, the, the families really are spending a lot of their income. It's like maybe 23% of their income goes in cooking, which is a lot of money in, in a city. And in rural areas, the same problem is not the case because wood basically is for free. So this is like a kind of way to accelerate the adoption. Are you controlling the meter by this phone or well, is it just... Yeah, well, by the phone, this is a couple of things. Like We just put the meter okay. and the, the only interaction with the user is the button that okay. you see here. So they can check the balance, they can check the okay. how much gas is remaining. 
they pay us through the Empesa system in the right, city. Yep, so yep. they already know how to do payments and they do a lot of stuff Most through both. I'd imagine don't have um, bank accounts in this yeah, situation. They don't have bank right? accounts. Yeah. yeah, and and for us in the past we used to sell uh, send our sellers. They would come back with a lot of cash in hand. <laughs> so that was also a problem. So yeah. we really want to be digital. Uh, so the, it's, it's very extraordinary what is happening there because uh, you jump in a lot of steps. So yeah. by being digital, also we are more efficient as company in, in delivering the service. And we can go more deeper and deeper into uh, less income, I mean, household with less income. Yeah. So, what, what kind of response do you get from the, the um, participants that um, t- adopt the program? What are they saying to you? The, the users? Yeah. Well, they really like it because basically that barrier, uh, it was tough for them. You know, like if they can split the payments, basically. It's the same thing that happened here. Like when initial phones arrived, you need to buy your handset. Now they give it for you. You, you are happy doing that. And for us, is we, we want to expand the number of users so we can be more efficient as well. I mean, it's I a volume. You're, you're also business. building an ongoing relationship with the clients rather than a single kind of service where you just see them once sort of thing. Right. Like, you're, you know, you're building a, um, I don't know, yeah, yeah an, an ongoing kind yeah, of... Yeah, a relationship. You know, yeah, which is different to what you're getting now with IT. It's different to other types of um, consumers, I guess, you know. Right, right, right. This is like a utility type of business, and I'm very distributed utility. No, it's something like also kind of modern, but but it also makes a lot of sense there because you need to be more efficient, more local, and adapted to the situation. So yeah, and it's um, it's, it's helping. I mean, oil and gas industry is a bit slow, but these really the needs are there. So how we expand? This is two billion people cooking with charcoal and yeah. wood. So it's more than people without electricity. So wow. all of that. And, and it's really very bad for environment. It's like yeah, totally. over the long run, the diseases that you develop through, because you're exposed to fumes, it's like being exposed to smoking. It's really dangerous. It's, it's killing more people than malaria, HIV, and TV together wow. in, per year. That's so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a kind of like public health concern, but it's not yet a lot of awareness. And... Yeah, and it's a nice product. I mean, it's like a very funny thing because oil companies are, I mean, oil products can be perceived sometimes from like a not so good in this case, but even the, to produce the charcoal are twice, release twice as CO2 than producing this gas. It's just it's, uh, the last part of refineries, basically, that people using. So, yeah, we're very excited about the link between technology and that to make impact. And for us, it's driving more users, so... It's a nice balance. And finally, if you've got an interesting, eccentric slash crazy idea, you'll probably find someone in Korea is doing it. We've met quite a lot of interesting projects from Korea. Here is one of the more measured ones. This is from uh, Korea Telecom. It's one of their sort of research projects. And it is uh, an internet-connected rescue jacket. So if uh, you're out hiking and you get lost on the mountains, then this jacket will start phoning home and summon emergency services for you. And it has a light and a beacon and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, interesting idea. I was sort of wondering about the actual connectivity of it. Apparently, um, it will cope with that. But anyway, listen to this interview and hear some more about this jacket from Korea Telecom. Uh, my name is Tampa Lindo, and I'm working for Korea Telecom right now. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, well, what we have here is the Mountain IoT Safety Jacket Solution. Um, there's various models, but precisely this one uh, has been deployed by various different sensors. It has a heart rate sensor on the wrist. It also has a GPS 6-axis sensor to locate people easier, which has been implemented into the control module, which is on the left side of the jacket. Um, this jacket also comes with a heat-ex battery to heat up the fabric for as long as 8 hours in case of necessity, like if you get lost during night or in an extreme climate. Um, it's designed to undergo minus 20 degrees Celsius temperatures, which is quite cold. Uh, but what What's really impressive about this jacket is that it works with uh, KT's new narrowband IoT network. Um, by using this network, what we what we get in comparison to using a conventional LTE network is that we reduce the energetic cost of the signal, which expands the jacket battery to uh, it has a seven-year lifespan without needing any charging device, and uh, we also increase the, the service area, we increase the coverage range of the signal, uh, which is perfect for uh, for mountainous regions where usual LTE coverage doesn't reach. Um, on the other side of the <laughs> stand, we would have the Maritime IoT Safety Jacket Solution, which instead of a heat-ex battery, includes a flotation device with a water pressure sensor that gets triggered when the jacket senses the person has fallen into the water. Um, that one works with an LTE coverage, uh, LTE M1, M Cut 1 uh, platform, uh, operated by KT. Um, the thing about this jacket is that it's, well, uh, KT has installed a super antenna with a 200 kilometer range in Korea, um, in the coast of Korea. And when this uh, super antenna detects the enamored sensor signal by one of the jackets, what they do is they send a satellite LTE SOS ship to the zone. And when this boat reaches the zone, they deploy a drone to, which basically works as a repeater for the signals jacket. And once everyone wearing the jacket that's lost in the middle of the sea is um, detected and found and precisely um, positioned, um, by analyzing the data produced by the console sensors, like for instance, that one also comes with heart rate sensor, but many other sensors can be implemented, for instance, body temperature, anything you can imagine. Once all that is analyzed, we can decide whether to go um, which person is in a more urgent position and needs to be um, rescued first. Just uh, when I was watching this video here, uh -huh. um, I mean, it, I know it's a video, so it's not accurate, but are you, is it contacting the makers or is it contacting the emergency services? Uh, well, it seems, uh, the thing is that it's, uh, they've been working together with the government and what they do is they send a, the, the jacket center signal to the control center, yeah. which is operated by KT. Yeah. It's uh, what they call the IoT makers platform. And then they contact and the they send okay. uh, they directly send a rescue team. That, well, yeah, basically they that's, contact the emergency services. I think okay. that's pretty much the same with every safety device now. You can't actually send it straight to triple zero or nine nine one or whatever because people would just make mistakes. And yeah. So are they, have these gone to market? Huh? 
are, are these being sold or are they a prototype no, at the moment? They're just prototypes. Yeah. But KT, well, they're working to expand the narrowband network uh, nationwide. And I wrote about you guys yesterday <laughs> when you part, your partnership with um, Cisco Jasper. So, um, so, so they, so they're a showcase piece. Well, yes, it's like. Um, um, they trying to well. They expect to be able to commercialize them by the end of this year. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, that's super. Yeah. So, would they partner with a I don't know adventure outdoor right company now, or something? Well, it's uh, Katie provides a telecommunication yeah. service. Uh, the jacket itself is produced by Colin Industries, which is a textile manufacturer. Yeah. Um, they also uh, helped by Nokia. They yeah. assisted in some kind of network like yeah. Yeah. matter. And, uh, well, uh, they, as I said before, they expect to commercialize them before the end of this year. That's really cool. <laughs> it's, it's really nice to see something like this go to market, because so many things are just prototypes. You never see them, you know? Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I really appreciate it. Super <laughs> interesting to, to, to learn more. It's really interesting. Thank you. And that's us. That's our Mobile World Congress special. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope the sound quality was bearable. We'll be back soon with our new format and some great interviews with people running tech cooperatives. If you enjoy what you hear, please go to gregarismammal.com slash podcast to find previous episodes and show notes and the same website slash support to drop us a few dollars, euros, shekels, tips, comments, buy some merchandise to support our efforts. Until next time, I have been Chris and you heard a lot from Kate and enjoy your time and we'll see you soon.